both blew in for the podcast today. Today is an extremely windy day. When I came to the office this morning, early, I'm making a point of that, early. Are you saying that I didn't get here early? I, I, was, I was doing my... Uh, your yoga, Patriots. your yoga at home. No, my my <laughs> patriotic duty. My patriot. I could have come up with the word. I was voting today. Well, I voted too, but I did it over lunch. Well, while I was having lunch over lunch. Anyway, my point was when I came <laughs> early, it wasn't so windy, nor yeah. was it so cold. Yeah. So what a shock when I went out at noon, and the wind blew me right into the car, right to the voting booth. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Hi, everybody. Yeah, hello. This is a this is a podcast something or other, right? Welcome to the twenty three podcast. Twenty three podcast. Michael Pup is here with Father Herb. Uh, we usually record on Tuesdays. If you couldn't gather that today is election day here in the United States of America. I talked to my girls today about the voting process and why we vote in our country and what a privilege that is. Do they try to outvote you at home? I constantly get outvoted at home. Do you have veto power? Um. Not, I mean, in theory, yes, but it doesn't really usually work very well. But Audrey decided today that our, her platform is all about pianos. And then I said, you need a slogan. You need a campaign slogan. Well, they have a cousin named Logan, so that's all they heard was something about Cousin Logan, and they thought he was coming over because he's the favorite. <laughs> so, I don't know well, if can, a pol- political okay, career my, is in their future. My slogan is that Logan will get you a piano. Yeah. <laughs> A piano in every house. There we go. And a chicken in every pot. You get a piano, and you get a piano. Okay, let's let's talk about the great excitement of the weekend. Hey, what a wonderful night we had Friday with the Toledo Symphony concert. Thank you so much um, to everybody that came. And, and just, our apologies to those who came and decided that they couldn't get in. It, there were a few, I know. There were turnaways. Yeah, it was a, a an incredible turnout. You know, I think having a free concert was exactly the right thing to do, and we wanted it to be a celebration of the new building and people came in droves. I mean, it was six 30 and we are, are already packed. And I thought, Oh my goodness, we still have 30 minutes worth of people coming in. It was um, when is when somebody tried to take over the, 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 the violin seat up front that we knew we were in trouble. <laughs> the conductor's baton, <laughs> yeah. uh, but they sounded marvelous in the church. Didn't it, they? It was a great sound. I had the, the privilege and I think you were there for part of it, but I sat in on the rehearsal Friday afternoon an audience of one, and the, when they started, I just cringed. I was, it was just overwhelming, uh, the power and the beauty of the sound. Yeah. It's amazing what instruments can do when they are working literally in harmony with one another. What I noticed, uh, one of my favorite things, is you know, even when the delicate instruments in the orchestra had a solo or a, a, a portion of a piece where they may be exposed. Maybe it was a clarinet or an oboe or a flute. All of the other instruments make room for that instrument to be heard. And I thought, what a great analogy image that is for humankind, that even uh, maybe the smallest and the, the weakest in our society, that we make room for them just to be as heard and audible as uh, the big players. In other words, the horns were not trying to drown it out and say. No, it, it was I, twofold. It was twofold. There were two things that made it work. The the arrangement. You know, the composer, in his or her wisdom, knows how to write music so that you know when, if the flute needs to play a, a pretty little melody, they're not going to have everybody else blaring to cover it up. Right. But at the same time, if every if other people are playing. They know how to, to use their air and their volume, their dynamic level, to make room. 
So it's just a beautiful give and take on all the musicians' part to make a beautiful end result. Well, it was a, a fun night followed by a great weekend. Wonderful weekend. And we have now all almost totally christened our church. We had the dedication. We've had two weddings. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly, a week ago we had a funeral. Mm-hmm. Saturday at a quinceanera. Uh, we've had Sunday Masses. We've had a Holy Day Mass. We had All Souls Mass. And La- last night? Last night we had a communal reconciliation service. Which was wonderful. It was, uh, the space was great for that. Beautiful. And we have one more, one more big step this coming Sunday. We get to baptize for the first time. Our, and we're doing baptisms just a little bit differently. You want to explain kind of our, our new approach to... No. You don't. You're, you're going to leave them hanging? <laughs> well, we're still going to baptize with water and in the name of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. It will be done at the baptismal font. People will be able to see it because it will be projected on the screen. Yeah. Instead of greeting the families at the door and walking them in, they will be part of the entrance procession, but those opening prayers will be at the front. But this isn't the part I was talking about that's different. I was talking just purely the fact that we're going to have two families at Mass having a child baptized. We're going to have two babies. And no, I'm not going to carry both of them around at the same time. I have never done that. People always say, well, I remember when you baptized twins, you carried them both. I never have. But people choose to remember what they choose to remember. Yeah. Uh, but we will have uh, two different families. They're mm-hmm. not related, but... Uh, we're getting so many requests for baptisms at Mass. Yeah. We also have a lot of them outside of Mass, in case people don't know that. So the the power will still be the same, uh, but there'll be you get to sing Alleluia twice. Well, and kind of our whole reasoning for that, we thought when we talked about it, you know, if we're going to go through the baptism rite at Mass, to have another baby there in terms of time, not that time runs everything, but it doesn't add a lot of time, but it also gives a more community sense it, to... It really is communal. Yeah. Ideally, uh, baptisms are not supposed to be done privately or just one one family at a time. Right. So it should be kind of fun. That'll be at the 11 o'clock mass this weekend, correct? November 11th. The 11, the 11, the 11, on, the 11 on the 11th. Well, remember, at 11 o'clock on the 11th day of the 11th month. This is Veterans Day this coming Sunday, yeah. but originally it was called Armistice Day. And the sign at uh, the 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 end of World War One was on the eleventh at eleven o'clock. Signed at eleven o'clock on the eleventh day of the eleventh month. Too bad it's not two thousand eleven. It would have just put it in a nice no, little no, bow. No, but it this is this not the year the hundredth year anniversary? I don't know. I'm only thirty three. Is it? I don't remember nineteen eighteen. <laughs> but isn't nineteen eighteen considered the end of the First World War? Yeah. Well, look up Armistice Day. Yeah, he's Googling while we talk. So I'm going to sing you a little song while we're waiting. I'm a fast typer. And what did you find? Sunday, November 11th. Armistice Day is commemorated every year on November 11th to mark uh, the armistice armistice signed between the allies of World War I and Germany. On what day? What year? November 11th. Hold on, I didn't pull it up. I was looking at the Google preview. November 11th. I don't see a year. Nine, uh, 1919. Oh, like. okay. So this is 99 years. Somebody's going to come up with the correct facts. My, my memory eludes me. Do we have any listeners that were, are 100 years old? I don't know. Let we us know. We don't have any parishioners 100 years old. Okay. With all that said, let's talk about something we do know something about. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. 
what Sunday of the year is this coming Sunday? The 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. And how many Sundays of Ordinary Time are there? 33, sometimes 34. And what do we have this year? This year we have 33, followed by the Feast of Christ the King. You are good. It's, Would you like to hire been, me? It's only been a week since we talked about this. <laughs> I have a good memory. <laughs> okay. His memory lasts for about eight days. Who are you? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we are ending the year, and we're only on chapter 12 of Mark's Gospel. Right. And we have a wonderful story. It's two parts. Are you doing the... I'm which? going to do the long form, because the, the second part is what... Uh, ca- captures pe- people's imagination. And don't worry, for folks. I know everybody, when you hear the long form, you're thinking, uh-oh, we're in for it. It's only bo- co- both parts are short. It's the only to- a couple verses. The total verses is like seven. So for those of you following along, we're in Mark chapter 12, verses 38 to 44. Okay, uh, Michael, today, why don't you read the first half, and I get to read the second oh, part, really which, is the, which is the fun part. Oh, I, I want to I I read the fun part. I see. In the course of his teaching, Jesus said to the crowds, Beware of the scribes who like to go around in long robes and accept greetings in the marketplaces, seats of honor in synagogues, and places of honor at banquets. They devour the houses of widows and, as a pretext, recite lengthy prayers. They will receive a very severe condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and observed how the crowd put money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow also came and put in two small coins worth a few cents. Calling his disciples to himself, he said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury, for they have all contributed from their surplus wealth, but she, from her poverty, has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This has echoes of last weekend's gospel in some ways. It has a lot of echoes. The The part that I read is the the gratis part. So if you do the short form, it's only the first half. I told you I was going to do the whole thing because it's the visual of everybody seeing, seeing the widow. But it is like Jesus, and this is kind of common in Mark's gospel, mm-hmm. where he will have... Jesus make a teaching. Well, usually it's the opposite. There's an experience, and then Jesus flows it into a teaching. This is opposite. this is the opposite. He yeah. does the teaching, and then there's an experience where he uh, shows it, almost like the perfect teacher. You know, you don't just give a theory and then say, "Now remem- remember that." Right. You you give an example, um, a math teacher. You don't just say you do this, but you you work out some problems so people can figure it out. I've got a lot of problems when it comes to math. And you can figure it out. I'm still working on them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good thing you have erasers. <laughs> Good thing music only counts to six. Is that true? Oh, I mean, sometimes nine or 12, if it's more complicated. And I have no idea what you're talking about. Actually, I was, in all fairness, I was pretty good at math. I was a good student overall. I, I know you were. And Oh, it was, it was, <laughs> I, I checked on you before I hired you. Was that it? Yep. Yeah, I know. I know. I know things about Michael that he doesn't even know. Well, that's deep. Yeah, very profound. And any anyway, let's go with the first part. Jesus was observing how the scribes loved to be in the center of attention, having you know places of honors and at synagogues and banquets, and even the way they dressed, going around in long robes. 
Well, I wear long robes when I say Mass, and I have a seat of honor. That's kind of scary. That's why I wanted you to read it. I didn't want to read it. You know, I would say that would be a criticism of the Catholic Church from maybe the evangelical world. What's, as a Catholic priest, what's your response to that? You know, I'm not sure I can. Uh, I think we look at the robe not as a robe of honor right. or fine clothing like a king or a prince. Mm-hmm. I like to see it as being basic, simple, basically pretty simple. And the purpose of it is really more of service and taking a little, myself a little bit out of the equation. I was going to say that. Isn't it in some ways of covering yourself up? Yeah. It's like I'm here in a, in a, a role. Now, I don't want to say I'm, I'm merely functionary, but uh-huh. I'm here uh, to represent more than myself. What you do, and you do a good job at it. And I, I, I don't want to just be Herb Weber's show. But at the same time, I'm u- willing to use my own personality and my style, mm-hmm. but it's not about me. You know, in some in some instances, you'll hear you know they'll say, people will say that the priest acts in persona Christi in the context of mass. What does that even mean? Well, it's Latin in, in the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. I find it uh, that a little bit intimidating mm. to to think that through. Yeah, but it's also a reminder. But everybody's supposed to be in persona Christi. That's the the thing. It's not just the priest. Everybody we're supposed to be as as Jesus did. We're supposed to do it. Yeah. But let's get back to this. The, the next line, they t- still talking about the scribes. They devour the houses of widows. Sounds and a, very as, as a pretext, recite lengthy prayers. Isn't that true? People can talk themselves into or out of doing anything and justify it. You know, we can find ways to justify anything. And, yeah. and that's why we can't just go off on our own because we will become our own God. Now that reminds me of the homily I had last week in the fog in a canoe before that. When I was talking about don't be your own God. Oh, that too. Yeah. I heard it three times. Uh, Right. (laughs) Did you really hear it each time? I did. I listened. Okay. Now the, the second part, the example, the widow, I asked the, the Tuesday morning Bible study. Why do people give? I said, this is basically a pretty generous time of the year for many people, maybe because of Thanksgiving, maybe because of Christmas, St. Vincent de Paul gifts. Uh, a lot of people signed up to take baskets out to people or bring in turkeys or, right. we have or the giving pump, tree coming pumpkin up. pies. Uh, we have the food drive the following weekend. Uh, people are pretty generous, but I ask the question, why do people give? And the most common answer is out of gratitude. We realize that we are blessed and one of the best ways to show gratitude is by sharing what we have. Mm. But it's also because we become aware of need. And that, that sensitivity, there's somebody else out there needs us. And I think in a place like Perrysburg, where let's face it, uh, yeah, there's poverty, but we're also pretty pretty blessed. Very much so. I mean, and it it takes very little to start driving into the city of Toledo, uh, which there are some really affluent parts of Toledo, and then there's some not so affluent parts of Toledo. Uh, But, you know, you see that that there's need around you. I've told the story before when I took some of the, a couple years ago, some of the confirmation students down to Tent City. Uh, And this is a program where the homeless that are in the downtown area can come and get medical services. They can get a meal. They can get a haircut. They just had that two weeks ago. Yeah, it was just a couple of weeks ago. They do every year at the end of October. And um, 
they also have a large tent where people can come in they sign up for a time and they can just get winter clothes and they they will walk around this large tent and just stuff jeans and sweatshirts and coats into a big garbage bag and and take them on their way and it's such a uh, it's always a, a profound experience for me uh just this <laughs> just this morning as i'm saying this i said to my wife i have too many clothes in my closet they're getting wrinkled because they're not fitting fitting next to each i i just said that sentence this morning as i'm talking about this you know um and so how spoiled am I, whether I'm spoiling myself or other people spoil me? And you're tempted to say, I need a bigger closet so, uh, that, so I don't wrinkle what I have. Um, if you want the truth, we, we were talking about a bigger closet, actually. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a good reflection. I'll, t- I'll take that one to prayer later. Yeah. How many years ago did they open the, that new high bridge in Toledo? The Glass City Skyway? The Skyway. Uh, I don't Maybe know. about 12 years ago. Has it been that long but, already? But they allowed people to walk across it before it was officially opened. Really? So you, I walked across the bridge. It opened in 2007. June 4th, 2000, June 24th, 2007. 11 years ago. Okay. I walked across the bridge, and it's very high. Yeah. And I walked from the east side to the west side and then back, and then they had buses uh, busing you up to the up the ramp and then down the ramp I knew you during this time I don't remember you doing this well I don't tell you everything I do it was on a Saturday morning okay and I was just astounded as I got to the Toledo side the east well they're both Toledo but the east the west side of the river Mm -hmm. you could look down on people's houses and you could see houses where there were holes in the roof Mm. Uh, parts of the houses were gone and I don't know if they were uh, actually still used as people's homes and residence or not. Mm-hmm. But I was just astounded because from the street, you don't always see what shape people's homes are in. Sometimes the bird's eye view makes a bit of a difference. Yes. That reminds me of being in, in Guatemala. And at that hotel that we stayed at has multiple stories. And so you're up on second or third floor. And you can see on top of people's homes in the village. And they're sometimes their roof is just being held on by rubber tires, like yeah. just waiting, waiting it down Hold, on top of the structure. Holding it down, wait. Yeah. Yes. So we have this widow. The widow is generous with what she has. She's generous because why? It's not that she had extra. In fact, she gave from her want. Mm-hmm. Was she full of gratitude? I don't know. But somehow she, you got to remember a widow at that time had no income. Mm-hmm. They just were at the mercy of everybody. So it, it's, it's a reminder that she was willing to risk it all. And that's why Jesus admired her. And he didn't say, well, look what she's doing. She's giving away a little bit she has, and now we're going to have to give her more alms next week uh-huh. because she gave it away. Right. But she was generous with what she had. She, you know, and, and we don't give from our surplus. I think that's the challenge when when we have the food drive every year before Thanksgiving I always go to, to the store mm-hmm. and I fill a cart not fill a cart but obviously a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and I always find myself asking if I'm getting spaghetti and then if I'm going to get some spaghetti sauce to go with it am I going to buy the generic the the cheap one or am I going to buy the kind that I would buy for myself <laughs> that's a great point and and that's a, a dilemma we ha- all have to face yeah you know how generous are we really? Are we just going to kind of like, well, it's free. What do they expect? Right. Yeah. But the widow becomes the hero 
in the story, just as the widow in the first reading this Sunday, the widow of Zarephath. That's who, a fun word. As it is a fun word, Zarephath. And the widow of Zarephath feeds Elijah. Again, uh, Zarephath was a city, a pagan city, and there were a the people were dying because of a drought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was ready to die. She and her young son, she says, I'm going to die. I'm going to fix one last meal. That's all I have left for. And Elijah, the prophet, simply says, oh, oh, that's okay, but first feed me. <laughs> <laughs> Typical man. Yeah. yeah. And she does. And, and he, in the process, she has enough food for the, the year till the drought ends. You know, the word that struck me in this gospel reading at the very end was that she contributed her whole livelihood. So I just looked up the definition of livelihood in the, on Google, a means of securing the necessities of life that she, you know, that she basically gave away everything that she had that was security for her. Almost like the story of the man throwing his cloak a couple of weeks ago when Bartimaeus was yeah, healed. Very good. Um, you know, and how often do we approach our faith? You know, maybe it's not necessarily, that we need to give more money to the church. Maybe it's not that literal, but how often do we give everything we have that we jump with both feet into our faith uh, and give it to God, you know, without that security I th- blanket I think around we us? hold back a little bit, always hold on to a little bit of our own personal stuff, our personal agenda, our personal security. Yeah. Uh, you have to be willing to let go uh, it's the old thing about the roller coaster, you know, riding the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. The kid will tell you it's more fun if you don't hold on. But, it is. But boy, it's hard to let go. And last time I did that, I lost my sunglasses on the Millennium Force at Cedar Point. But that's another story for another day. That's another story. We will be back, I assure you. God willing. God bless you this week. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>